This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised that they decided to go that route, but I'm still a little bit like, wow. And, and there just happened to be an NFLPA representative in the building while this is going on. Well, I would I would align that with sheer stupidity. Let's see if I can summon him. Eldridge, come on, man. Where are you? <laughs> Eldridge probably trying to, you know, uh, uh, deliver a load right about now, right? I won't. I won't. <laughs> I won't say anymore. <laughs> Is it possible? It's possible. Likely? Probably not. Everything's possible. I could win a million bucks tomorrow and sayonara, fellas. I'm out. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Welcome into the program. It is our June edition of Patriots Playbook here on Patriots com radio. We are live today on this first day of summer. Where, where the hell is summer, by the way? Anybody want to... Venture guess. I mean, I realize that in some pockets of this country, uh, as I give you the meteorology report here, uh, it's it's already blistering heat. Uh, I noticed in my homeland of, of Tejas, 110 in Austin yesterday, 113. Seriously, what the hell fun is that? I I mean, I'm, I was stunned when I saw that. And of course, up here we can't get one freaking beach day, not one. It's 68 degrees outside, which sounds very pleasant, I know, nice and breezy, cool. It's the first day of summer! Where the hell, what the hell happened to my summer? They've ruined my summer! I've always, you know, always have to say that at least two or three times a year. Red Your grass is growing, be happy. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But at any rate, I figured I'd just, you know, stake that little claim to summertime. We'll probably be very happy with this, I would imagine, about another month or so. Other people, I mean, we're probably already happy with it. I mean, all things being equal, like I said, it's blistering in some parts of the country already. So um, uh, we'll take the 70 in the breeze, but, you know, it would be nice to have, you know, a little beach weather. All right, so this is is the start of... This is the start of the the infamous dead period. This is the absolute slowest time in the 12-month calendar year that is the National Football League. Once minicamp is over, there is approximately five to six weeks between the end of minicamp and the start of training camp at the end of July. So here's the thing. Um, You know... the Patriots left us with some story ideas and some story things to kick around. And as we suggested uh, at the end of May's show, we did suggest that uh, the DeAndre Hopkins situation was not going to play itself out anytime soon. And and I and I still believe that. I believed it then. Uh, anything that's transpired over the course of the last week, 10 days, since he made his visit here in Foxborough, nothing's changed. He doesn't yet have a team. Uh, I don't know if, if you follow him on Twitter. Uh, yesterday, DeAndre Hopkins tweeted, uh, Who's ever in my future wide receiver group, I promise I will make your job easy. Maybe he meant easier, but nevertheless, that was his latest missive. That was yesterday. That was on the 20th, uh, around 4.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. So, and, and so that was the last time. He doesn't have a team yet. Doesn't have a team yet. Um I personally believe, and, and we talked about this in last month's show, I personally believe that you know he would make the Patriots better. There's no question that he would make the team better. He becomes a player that other teams must account for, if not game plan for. So that right there is going to make Mac Jones's job easier. It would make Ramondre Stevenson's job easier. 
Uh, I saw you know, there was a, a thing out today. I, I, think, I believe it was a tweet, um, and I got I to gotta look it up again because I was just glancing at it, going through some notes this morning before we got ready to do the show today with you, that um, uh, Dalvin Cook, who doesn't have a team yet either, is talking out loud in social media about you know, him and DeAndre Hopkins pairing up. Now, he admitted, he admitted that he hasn't talked to Hopkins yet. But, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could land on the same spot and make some team's, you know, uh, life, uh, you know, wonderful. Okay, I will admit, in theory, and again, this is all nothing much more than fantasy football right now, but I would admit, in theory, that, you know, that's real intriguing. I think the Vikings probably pulled a Bill Belichick when it comes to Dalvin Cook and probably sold on the product there before it... um, became untenable. You know, the Patriots have always had a penchant for, you know, letting guys go uh, before they, you know, when they feel like they're they're about ready to hit that downhill slide in their career. Most of the time that's worked. A couple of times it hasn't. But, hey, you're not going to bat a 1,000. Nobody bats a 1,000. Not even Hall of Fame baseball players bat a 1,000. Nobody does. Eldred, I'm talking to you specifically because I know you have an issue with Bill the GM. I think he called in to complain about him uh, yesterday on PU. So, look, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if, if let's just play what if for a second. If Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins got together and said, okay, let's see if we can't pair ourselves together to go someplace. First of all, if you're a team that would even remotely consider that, which player is going to get the money? Because no one has an unlimited amount of funds in which to pay these two guys. But let's just go by that for a second, even so. Let's say DeAndre Hopkins picks up the phone and says, Bill, I'm yours, but you need to sign my boy Dalvin Cook. What what, what would you do? What would you say? I mean, I know what I'd say, but how many of you are, are going to let, you know, Bill the GM run your thought process here? Look, if you're only talking about a short-term deal anyway for both guys, I mean, you're talking probably about a year. Uh, you give them lower than what they're probably commanding on the open market. And then incentives, that would, if they hit the incentives, that would bring them up to somewhere near market value. Like, for instance, we know DeAndre Hopkins. He wants to be paid like you know Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham got, what, $15 million, so... You know, give him ten to twelve million, and then you know, give him incentives to get him up to that fifteen. I'm really not even sure what Dalvin Cook would be worth right now, but fact of the matter is, is that you know, he was owed an awful lot of money. Maybe, maybe. I mean, look, and he's a running back, and but I would have to say, if you're going to play that kind of fantasy football, I'd say figure out a way to make that happen. If we're only talking about a year, figure out a way to make that happen, and I think you probably could. Now, I think that's completely and totally unmitigated pie in the sky, okay? The fact of the matter is that the Patriots still have to be very much in, uh, in, interested in just DeAndre Hopkins. I think they probably feel like they're set at running back. But listen, in this day and age, never say never. We're in the silly time right now anyway. This is the dead time. This is when nobody's covering, nobody's on the beat. Beat guys are on vacation. In fact, we had trouble getting beat guys to come onto the show today. Because why? Because they're all on vacation. Funny that I'm not, but hey, that's another point for another day. Okay, so I understand that. Everybody spends time away. 
Everybody does. You got to. You got to recharge the batteries. You got to get ready to go before training camp begins at the end of July. A lot of stuff happens under the table. And as we told you last month, where Hopkins is concerned, look, this isn't going to play itself out because the man believes he's worth more. Clearly, he's worth more than what is currently on the table with either Tennessee, where he visited before New England, or the Patriots. And he's undoubtedly waiting for other teams to enter the fray. Maybe somebody, you know, has an unfortunate injury between now and camp time. Or maybe somebody has, you know, uh, a reshuffling of the roster, another look at their wide receiver room and said, you know what, we could use a little boost here. A lot of stuff can transpire over the next five weeks. And that's where we are right now. We are five weeks away from veteran players reporting for training camp around the NFL and certainly here in New England. Be somewhere around the 28th of July in that vicinity, give or take a day or two. All right, so five weeks of nothingness. You're listening to this on the podcast um, in three weeks. It's possible that we have some movement. It's also possible that we are at status quo. Nothing's happened yet. I would tend to side with nothing's happened yet. Because if something does happen, it's going to be kept low-key because nobody wants to show their hand right now. Nobody wants to dictate to others what they're thinking about or certainly what they're doing or what they're planning to do. They want to wait until they get into camp because that helps you know, with their bargaining. Least of all, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, if the Patriots were to come to him tomorrow and say, look, we'll give you two years and and 25 or two years and 30, uh, he'd be signed in a minute. But that's not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be really shocked if something like that happened. So Hopkins is still going to play out. My thought process is, is that he makes the Patriots better because it will free up opportunities for other receivers more than anything else. Do I think the man can still play? Sure. Yeah, I don't think he's quite at the level he was, say, four or five years ago, but I think the man can still play. I don't know much has, how, much ta- how much gas he has left in the tank. I don't know. I, I really don't know. You have to wonder because the Cardinals outright released him. They couldn't swing a deal for him. They couldn't find anything what they thought would be amenable in return for him. So they just decided to let him go, get his salary off of the books, and say thank you, D-Hop, and we appreciate your efforts. It just didn't work out here. So does he have, you know, got to have talent? Well, I guess that's to be debated. We also know that, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Beauty is in the the eye of the beholder. I mean, how many cliches can I go through here? And I think that's kind of where they are with DeAndre Hopkins. I think the Patriots are in a favorable position. Uh, I think, you know, Tennessee is probably also feeling like they're in a favorable position. Um, A lot of it depends on personalities involved. And I think the Patriots might hold an edge. We know that there's a mutual admiration society going on there between Bill and DeAndre, based on what we saw from you know the, the NFL films 
coverage of their conversation where the Patriots played in Arizona last year, and, and, and I think that carries a lot of weight. Patriots wouldn't be in this deal if there wasn't a mutual admiration society going on there. But it's going to take a while for it to play out. I mean, I can't really ask you the question, would you sign DeAndre if you had a chance? Because I think we all know the answer to that. Yes, you would. Is there anyone who wouldn't? And why? You feel like he's going to be too much of a distraction? Look, I'm telling you, talent outweighs everything. Talent outweighs everything. I think the Patriots know that. I think Mr. Kraft knows that. I certainly know that Bill Belichick knows that. And that kind of leads me into my next point here and the next story that's going to carry us through for the next five weeks before we meet again here in the playbook, which will also be uh, training camp week. Our next show, I believe, is Wednesday the 28th of July. In fact, as we were talking about July 28th, and I know camp will start on or about that day. It's not officially decided yet. But traditionally, the veterans report midweek that week, traditionally, give or take. And then the first practices would probably be that Thursday, Friday of that week. Again, traditionally. And then full-fledged camp, you know, for fans to come out and see and open up would probably begin that weekend. Probably. But nothing's official. I'm speaking off the cuff here based on my having been around this team for 31 years. Okay, that's usually the way it happens. But the team will make the official announcement on when things begin. Um, that does lead me to the next big story, as I talked about, and that's Jack Jones. Um, look, we, we, we know of Jones's issues while he was in college. We know that he's already been suspended once by this team for uh, what we were told were you know, potential missed rehab sessions. There's also the, the rumor that was exacerbated by, uh, you know, media reports of a, uh, of a disagreement between Jones and Bill Belichick or talking back to or argument or whatever you want to call it, which has been denied, plausibly denied. But who the hell knows? Unless you were the fly on the wall in that room, who knows? Let's just say it didn't end well last year for Jack. It didn't. But we did get a good look at his talent for when he was available to play. And based on what we've seen this team do so far in the offseason, thus far in the offseason, it certainly looked as if Jack Jones was in position to move into a starting corner slot, along with Christian Gonzalez, the rookie. Now, you're, you're, you're putting an awful lot of pressure, an awful lot of pressure, on two young players with a combined one previous season of NFL experience between them when this season starts. Um, I'm not convinced, and I'm not sure you can convince me, but I'm not convinced that Jack Jones would have been you know, the de facto starter at, at, at corner anyway because of that very fact. Now, that may very well be the plan, the longer-term plan. Maybe they felt like that would happen you know, as long as things go according to plan, and I've got my quotation marks around that phrase, according to plan, it's possible that that's what the Patriots have been eyeing. But this is also why you've seen the Patriots in the last few years, gang. This is why you've seen the Patriots try to develop versatility in the defensive backfield much the same way that they have uh, efforted versatility on the offensive line. Guys that can play different positions, guys that can swing left, swing right, 
or in the defensive backfield, play the slot, play safety. You've got different guys who can fill in in a moment's notice. So I'm not sure that if Jack Jones is unavailable, I'm not sure the Patriots, look, it hurts their depth, there's no doubt about it. Anytime you're less talent, it's not a good thing. But can they cover it? Yeah, probably. Can they cover it to their liking? Well, that's still to be determined. But to me, the obvious move there would be if Jack Jones is unavailable, then you probably start John Jones over on that side or you move him over. Um, I'm not sure what you do about the slot corner. I think you give your two rookies every opportunity to have an outstanding camp and see who can't move in there. Um, I've made no bones about this. I said it last season. I will repeat it here. Any Patriots defense that can do less of Miles Bryant is a better Patriots defense. I, you know, I don't have anything personal against Miles Bryant. I don't think he's an NFL cornerback. You know, I think he's got speed. I don't think he plays great technique. You know, he can be a good return man for you. I, I but he gets beat too much. Takes too many chances. I, I'm not. He doesn't. I don't think he adheres to principles. And, and again, corner is the hardest position to me. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Cornerback is the hardest position for a professional athlete to play. More so than you know, goaltender in hockey. More so than striker in soccer. More so than you know point guard in basketball, it's the hardest individual position to play in sport, cornerback in the NFL, because you're asked to do so much, and your odds of being successful are so small. It's a reactionary position where you're obviously trying to make plays running backwards, or at best, sideways, with your head not even pointed back toward the ball. Hugely impossible. If you've ever played, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, at any rate, um, I think that they've got it covered. I, I think you probably see, you know, uh, you know, Sam Mills. I think you probably see some others uh, likely, um, you know, filling in from here and there because I think the Patriots do have some depth uh, within the, the safety ranks which might free up some of this um, you know, versatile depth to come out and play corner if they need it. And let's find out if, uh, if I'm on the right track or if I'm on the wrong track. Uh, our own uh, Evan Lazar, who is also trying to get in some of his time off by, uh, where are we off to today, Evan? I assume that this is a, a personal matter, so you don't have to really get into uh, uh, to any particulars. But, hey, you got to make hay while you've got downtime, right? <laughs> That's... That's the name of the game, right? You got to cram every appointment and every uh, vacation into the next five weeks. Sure, <laughs> I totally and, and I get that. So, thank you for being willing to spend a couple of minutes with us today. Uh, of course, you know I'm always here for you. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, we're actually apartment hunting oh. this afternoon. Oh so. gosh, how big an apartment Not- are you looking for? I'm going to digress right now, right off the bat here. <laughs> uh, we're we're in a two bedroom. Okay, uh, you know we, we have a little. At home office uh, set up just works from home, so we, we have one room for okay. for an office set up. Are you and then, are you considering houses as well or just apartments? 
Uh, just apartments for the time being. I think, you know, the housing market's not, not doing so hot in the Boston area at try, the moment. So. Try, try, the housing, try the housing rental department, however. Yes, we have uh, have a few of those on on the list. Okay, good, uh, a few, good. A few, you know, uh, personal landlords instead of uh, you know these big companies that own these you know, monster buildings. Yeah, so, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, the reason I say that is because I found a I found a gem for my son who's in the house hunting. Uh, you know, a market right now, and so he—they're considering it just until the housing market kind of levels off somewhat. So there are some hidden gems out there. You just got to go searching for them. Yep, absolutely. So, what do you think of the of the of the Jack Jones scenario and and the fact that the Patriots are, uh, you know, have stressed versatility in the defensive backfield, and could that end up being a saving grace for the defense to cover until this situation somehow plays itself out one way or the other? Yeah, look, you know, I think one of the things that really stood out at a mini camp and OTAs throughout the spring was how deep they were in the secondary. I, I think that this situation and assuming, you know, just for the sake of argument, that Jack Jones is not available to play for the Patriots uh, next season, it, it takes away a little bit of that depth where you might not be as multiple, as versatile in the back end that you would have been before because you had. Christian Gonzalez and Jack Jones holding down the outside cornerback spot, which really allowed them to mix and match in the middle of the field um, with the rest of the group. So maybe you don't quite have that much flexibility, um, but they definitely have the depth to withstand it. And I also would say a couple good spring practices, a couple good games as a rookie uh, aside, Jack Jones, had some inconsistency issues on the field that I think are getting overshadowed because he looked really good yep. in shorts and t-shirts uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. So um, I, I don't want to take away from the talent, but at the same time, this wasn't like you know prime Stephon Gilmore either. Right. So I mean, uh, look, I think it's 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 easy even for for lay people to look at this and say this team is intrinsically better with Jack Jones's talent on the field. That being said, it's not a season killer if he's not. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way of putting it. it. It doesn't feel like the end of the world. It just feels like maybe uh, they're not quite as dynamic in the back end. I think last uh, week at, at minicamp what we saw was Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, yep. Marcus Jones, uh, those players could now revolve around a safety nickel, you know, slot corner type of role, and you could throw a lot of different things at people because you didn't necessarily need to move John Jones back to outside corner or move Jalen Mills back to outside corner because Jack Jones was looking the part uh, at outside uh, corner opposite Christian Gonzalez. So now Jonathan Jones probably goes back to playing a little bit on the outside. Maybe Jalen Mills becomes a fourth guy that's rotational at CB as well as safety. Uh, I think that he's going to have to play a little bit of corner yeah. this year, potentially yeah. now, yeah. especially if somebody gets hurt. So that's where it might hurt them. And I, I think when going into the year, not really going into the spring, but you know, going into training camp, without this arrest for Jack Jones. What had me so excited about the secondary was they really upgraded two spots because they upgraded the outside cornerback spot by drafting Christian Gonzalez. And then the trickle-down effect was then that they could move 
Jonathan Jones back inside the slot corner. Yep. And so you're really upgrading two spots, right? You're upgrading Jalen Mills on the boundary, and you're upgrading Miles Bryant in the slot. Now you're probably only upgrading one spot. So it's still better, but it's it's not as good as it would have been. I think I called Jalen Mills Sam Mills. Carolina Panthers linebacker, of course, great you know linebacker, but you know, hey, he'd probably been called a lot worse than what I just called him. So uh, <laughs> here's the thing: um, I, I mean, we move now from okay, this is what will probably or likely happen if Jack Jones is not available, to should the Patriots you know go ahead and move forward with life after Jack Jones based on what has transpired with the charges the guns the everything that we saw when he pleaded not guilty on Tuesday of this week uh in Boston I and I don't know what your personal feeling is on this I don't generally uh subscribe to a lot of that because frankly it doesn't really matter but I know a lot of people will tune into this particular show and Patriots Unfiltered because they want a quote-unquote stance from the organization we're not sort of license to do that. We give our own personal opinions under the guise of that. And I would tell you that I think the Patriots, and I've seen several in the Boston area media and even national media opine that all the Patriots have to cut bait. Patriots have to let Jack Jones go. They got to say no. And I'm like, okay, well, that's easy for you to say until it happens to you. The Patriots have have experience, unfortunately, like a lot of teams do, in handling these sort of three-ring circuses that Bill Belichick loathes to go through. But they've got the experience because, as we know, a football team is a microcosm of society and football uh, life itself. And so they're gonna, there's going to be an apple that's going to probably get some bruises or get a little rotten inside the bunch every time you go in and you gather every season. It just happens. And so, and I'm not trying to be flipped with the, you know, the, the comparison here. What I'm saying is, is that Considering the climate, considering what we know, we are so quick to jump to conclusions in this day and age of you know social media knowing it all, that I'm not at all surprised that the Patriots are sitting back and not taking charge and not making a stand. And my thought is they're going to wait for the National Football League to take it out of their hands. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what it is. That last thing that you said, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that there's two separate things here. There's the legal element, and then there's the football team element, right? And I I sort of have two different opinions on it because of that. Legally, I am a believer, for what it's worth, in innocent until proven guilty, right? Like. I think in this country and and in in this day and age, like you just kind of outlined, uh, social media, especially uh, as soon as news broke, I think it was what Friday night mm-hmm. this news broke. Yeah, that Jack Jones was arrested at Logan Airport. Everybody is is, is giving a take, right, about how they they need you know they need to to cut to cut ties. They need to release the player almost instantly, and I, I just don't subscribe to that. I think that you have to let it play out. I think that you have to. Uh, look at it from a objective point of view of there's two sides to most stories. Let's see what Jack Jones's side of the story is. Let's see how 
the legal uh, aspects of this play out. I know he, uh, Rose Capaccio, the lawyer that he hired, is a powerhouse attorney. She is. Um, that is just not a woman you want to mess with. I, I, I love Rose. Like <laughs> Her reputation precedes herself, yes. Yeah, I mean, her, her press conference yesterday, I was eating it up. I was like, this is great. Great stuff, uh, yeah. So l- l- let's see what transpires legally for the person. Right for Jack Jones, not necessarily the football player. I think if you're the Patriots organization, the the one thing that you have to ask yourself is: is this a warning sign of something more major that could potentially happen down the line involving Jack Jones? Because the last thing that you want to do is turn a blind eye to this situation. And then a year from now, a worse situation comes up. Right, right? And, and that's what everybody is really, I think, afraid of and why they're hedging their bets and why they're saying, oh, go ahead and, 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 and cut ties here because we don't want to take a chance of what could happen in the future. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's the right way to go, but at the same time, if you're looking at this from a football perspective, and football perspective comes second to life perspective, I think we can all understand that. But from a football perspective, look, Let's face it, if he didn't have the talent that we know he has, this would already have been a done deal. Right, right. And, and I think that's the, that's the tough part is that legally I want to give him a chance for, to have his day in court, as everybody deserves. And there's the talent aspect of it. I just think that what you have to really uh, focus on if you're the Patriots is you don't want to be – you don't want to make the same mistake twice with another player who has warning signs of, um, you know, possessing guns, uh, potential to to have violent, you know, things happen off the field, and then get yourself into a situation where a year from now he's in a much worse spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legally. Well, that's that's why I think, uh, Evan, that, that some people would have a problem with this, and I understand why they would, because clearly there's a bit of a track record where Jack Jones is concerned. You know, he had the issues at USC, the issues right. at Arizona State. He had the little issues last year that caused his suspension for a couple of games. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, there, there are some issues there. He's not, you know, what we would call, uh, you know, he doesn't have a clean slate. And because of yeah. that, this is just another in the next series, and how much longer are we going to let this thing go before you ultimately decide guys got to go? And and so this is where you're caught between the proverbial rock and hard place if you're the New England Patriots. And again, that's why I think, well, look, we're going to let the uh, adjudication process play out, and it's going to take a while. I think we all understand that the, you know the the law moves uh, you know at a, at a slower speed than anybody wants it to. But the Patriots, you know, also have a responsibility to, you know, to, uh, you know, put out their best product on the field because it is a business they're trying to run. And so I would imagine at some point, here's what I think will happen. I imagine at some point that this is going to be pled out with either a short amount of jail time or no jail time at all. But there will be a suspension involved in some form or fashion. It won't come from the Patriots. It'll likely come from the NFL because he'll have violated, you know, a a a, 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 a part of the the players, uh, the NFLPA, you know, um, uh, agreement, 
and right. the Patriots will end up saying, look, we're just going along with what the NFL does. They've suspended him for two games, four games, however long they end up suspended him for, and then once it's over, it's over because they're very good at deflecting attention, and Bill's very good at saying, hey, we're only going to talk about the players who are here. This yeah. is what I think will happen. Yeah, I think that you're along the same lines as me about what will happen because I think yeah, I mentioned Rose Capaccio because I I think that she is going to get a good deal for Jack Jones. Yes, I do. Yes, and and I think that ultimately you mentioned it earlier that the Patriots are probably waiting for this to be an NFL issue rather than a Patriots issue. Right. And my guess is is that as this plays out. Um, there's a very, very good chance that Jack Jones will be going to the commissioner's exempt list. Yep. And at that point, it's about an indefinite suspension until the commissioner's office feels that he's fit to be back in the NFL, and it's totally out of the Patriots' hands. So I, I believe that if you're a Patriots fan, um, not to belittle the charges or belittle the situation, um, but if you're really more thinking about it from a competitive standpoint of the football team, uh, what you really need to watch out for is how the league proceeds yes. and how the commissioner proceeds um, with Jack Jones and the potential suspension because legally um, there's a chance that this takes a little while. And there have been instances where players have played while they're going through legal stuff off the field. Correct. But for the most part, they go to the commissioner's exemplist while this is proceeding in terms of the legal battle and they don't come off the exempt list until they've settled in court. And that's so, to protect everybody. That's to protect not only the player, it's also to take the burden off of the team locally, regionally, nationally, so they can, you know, and, and the NFL is happy to shoulder that burden. Right, right. So that that's why I'm operating under the presumption that regardless of what happens to Jack Jones legally, it, it just seems like a long shot that he will be playing in the NFL in September, just strictly because I think the league is going to take it out of the Patriots' hands and say, we, we need to take a step back with this player until he settles in court. And the, yeah, we'll and that the one question that remains, though, is whether or not anything will happen before training camp comes. And whether or not, if, 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 if nothing has transpired by the time training camp starts, whether or not Jack Jones is there or if he's on a leave of absence or whatever they end up terming that. I agree with you. I don't think there's any way that this guy plays football in September. October could be different, especially if, you know, there's some kind of a plea arrangement here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And I just think from a Patriots point of view, I know his second court date is August 18th, which is right before the Patriots' second preseason game in, right. uh, in Green Bay. Right. So – that in itself tells you that he's probably not going to be there for the week in Green Bay uh, when we go out there for joint practices and the preseason game and things like that. And I, I think it's in the Patriots' best interest to keep him off the practice field until more uh, of this gets resolved. Agreed. Because he has, at some point, you know, that's going to be a major story, whether he talks to the media or not. But at some point, if he's practicing, then he also has to be made available to the media. Right. And he's not going to have Rose Capaccio standing next to him to, to deflect questions 
on the courthouse steps. Right. So, really, nothing he can say. So let's take it out of his hands and uh, and and let's just you know let's let's err on the side of caution here for his sake as well as the team's sake. Because look, bottom line is is that no matter how long they're going to be without him, and they're going to be without him for some time, they've got to figure out a way to to work around that. So better now that they sort of attack that plan than have to do it at the last moment. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if you want to look at it, like I said earlier, from a, a pure football standpoint, it, best case scenario is that Jack Jones serves some sort of NFL suspension after pleading down the charges in court and comes back and they drop him back in and, and they hit the ground running. But you can't count on that if you're the Patriots, and uh, you might not even want to count on that if they do decide to release him. So I, I think it's a it's a sticky situation. But I think the big thing that I keep coming back to is you know separating you know the court and the football aspect of it. In court, he should have his day. He should maybe he does have a, a legitimate story of what, how this ended up happening. But from a football standpoint, I think the Patriots really need to take a hard look at the situation and make sure that this isn't a sign of things to come. And right. this isn't a warning right. that this player is, you know, a, a risk, a major, major risk of, of doing harm to people. Yeah, you can already you can already imagine that the Patriots are plenty pissed off at, at this whole thing anyway. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure. And, you know, this is, this is every organization and every head coach's worst nightmare – and it happens every off season around this time when they send them off from the off season program for the five or six week break until training camp. We hear about this kind of stuff happening to varying degrees every single summer, yep. despite the fact that the coach goes up there probably in the last day of the off season program and says, don't get in trouble. Yeah. Somebody always gets in trouble. Like it's just the way that it is. Yep. Yep. They are kids, after all, relatively speaking. So that's just what happens. You got to, you know, kind of treat them as your, your own, you know, you would your own sons and daughters, and just say, "Hey, look, this is, you know, uh, do right here." And obviously, there was a major malfunction of that theory and that thought process here. And so now you got to, you know, yeah, you're upset about it. Dad's upset. Grandpa's upset. You know, the you know the home is upset. How do you handle it? And that's kind of what's got to play out over the next few weeks. All right, final real quick one. Yes or no on DeAndre Hopkins, based on what you now know after the visit? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm leaning towards no um, at the moment. And I, I think the main reason why is sort of the vibe that you're getting from Hopkins' camp of we're, we're in no rush, we're going to wait to camp, you know, maybe something else changes down the line for somebody. And – this whole situation, <clears throat> excuse me, this whole situation is just screaming, screaming for a contender yep. to come out of nowhere and sweep it. And I just, I, I don't know if the Patriots are offering DeAndre Hopkins enough to avoid that from happening. Like you have to really offer him a whole lot of money uh, to not, have him continue to test the market in the way that he's testing it. And my gut tells me that a Kansas city, uh, at Buffalo, like somebody's going to move some money around and figure out a way to get him in the building.
Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way anyway, but I would tell you that, you know, uh, hey, I, I'm still all for it. If they can get him, you, you got to find a way to, to make it work. But we said last month on this show, we said that, you know, this is going to go right down to training camp and probably even into training camp before a decision got made but for that very reason. He's going to try to milk it for a better offer. If he doesn't get a better offer, the Patriots are in play. Pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, that's how I look at it. And I think if you're a Patriot fan that really wants DeAndre Hopkins, you just better hope that everybody stays, stays healthy, healthy. <laughs> and everybody and there's no real major glaring hole that presents itself uh, down the line for one of the, the contenders. You have the cap space to outbid them, but you don't have Patrick Mahomes, right? Right. So right. right. That, that's going to be the big thing. Right. Ev, thanks for the time and amongst the uh, the apartment hunting. Good luck with it. Thanks, sir. Thank right. you. See you soon. Have a good time off. Yep. Absolutely. Evan Lazar, at EZ Lazar on Twitter, uh, Patriots.com. He is a uh, uh, frequent uh, contributor here on uh, the playbook. He will be during the course of the regular season, just like he does uh, on Patriots un- Unfiltered. And, um, you know, we you know love to pick his brain, love to get his thoughts on things just like this, whether it has to do with the Patriots or whether it has to do with anybody else within the division or whether it has to do I, – I, I, and I wanted him – I, listen, if Evan had been here, I would have gone into a little bit more, but obviously the guy's got stuff he's got to do today because I actually kind of wanted his, his take a little bit on um, uh, what's transpired uh, with uh, Tyreek Hill. He's been apparently involved in some sort of a physical altercation in Miami, and um, uh, although the person who apparently he slapped in the back of the head at some nightclub, bar, restaurant, whatever it was, is, ref- is not going to you know, press charges, I don't know, but it, at any rate. That could certainly do some damage, I think, to Miami within the division. All right, 855-PATS-500. 855-PATS-500, the toll-free telephone number. It's time for you to give me your thoughts on not only Hopkins, but Jack Jones. Yes or no on either one. Should the Patriots punt on either one? For what reasons? What are your thoughts? How do you feel about the organization's stance thus far, which really is no stance? They're waiting for it to play itself out. Is that the right move to make, considering the political climate that we're in today? I'm asking you what you think. Okay? Nicole Yang from the Boston Her- uh, Herald, good Lord, Boston Globe, she's going to join us at 1 o'clock Eastern time. And then Russell Baxter will join us at 1.30 uh, to get some national perspective as well on the big stories going into the dead period here for the National Football League. I hate to call it the dead period, but that's really what it is. Because Evan's trying to go hibernate, and I won't let him. The bear. All right, let's start with Christian in L.A. Hey, Christian, you're in the playbook. Thanks for hanging in. Yeah, hey, John, how you doing this morning? I'm good. How's it going? For you? Good. Well, it's okay in L.A. It's a nice day. Finally, you mentioned uh, summer was taking its time getting here. Oh, my we God. Had 60 degree, <laughs> we've had 60-degree days and all cloudy here in, in L.A. And what it really seems like is the weather is sort of shifting. It's like L.A. is now Portland. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what anybody wants. If you want, you know, if you want Portland and Seattle, move there. Right, right. Just like every winter when we get smacked with, you know, a foot of snow, it's like, look, if I wanted Buffalo, I'd move there. Right, exactly. Like, I don't want to be in Buffalo. That's why I live here. There you go. Anyway, um, on the football side, uh, first, let me address my personal thoughts on the Jack Jones uh, situation. Yes, do. I think in a a country where 
uh, we have a massive amount of gun violence. I think the the statistic is now in the three there's 317 mass shootings and not 300 days in a year, right? So we have more mass shootings, not just an individual shooting of the individual, mm-hmm. but a <clears throat> mass shooting, more mass shootings than days of the year. That tells us two things. We have endemic and epidemic violence, but we also have a culture that likes their guns. So with that said, I think if there's some legality to his owning the firearms, if he had some sort of, you know, uh, license for it or permit or something of that nature, yep. that may skew how I think about it within the Patriots culture, if they should keep this guy on. I don't know if it's indicative of him having some sort of violence a la Aaron uh, um, uh, Hernandez. But I do think that we have to look at it from the, the lens of this is a gun country. Lots of people own guns. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest things in our legislative addendum this year is how can we get either more guns on the street or less guns on the street? So I think we have to step back from the sort of Pollyanna-ish, hey, this guy has a gun, he's a professional athlete, let's get rid of him or whatever, talk to say, you know, does it fit within the culture that our country's in that a person could have a gun? Right. Professional athlete, someone that um, has a lot of money, maybe may feel a little bit of, of weariness you know, traveling. I, well, there's no I question about that, Christian. Here's what I thought initially, right after I first heard the news on that Friday night, last Friday night. I'm thinking, well, what did he do that broke the law yet? I mean, it's not a good look. It's illegal to take, you know, uh, firearms through a checkpoint at an airport. It's also illegal to have loaded guns. It's also illegal to have the magazines that he had. So, but, you know, we, we're assuming that something else was going to happen. Yeah. It from I mean, either A, Jack Jones is incredibly stupid, or B, a major malfunction in decision-making somewhere by someone took right. place. And I think we all know that, right. you know, everybody's got, you know, friends, handlers, you know, uh, hanger-oners, whatever, probably just, you know, threw these things in there without thinking about it, and that's probably what happened. Now, again, I'm just assuming, you know, his attorney said uh, when he was arraigned yesterday that, um, you know, the truth is going to come out, and so we'll wait for him to give his side of the story. But the optics are awful, and you cannot get around them. And because of the aforementioned, as you said, political climate that we have in this country, tolerance is extraordinarily low. What I'm hoping that we do here, and I'm hoping that the Patriots, and I think this is why we haven't heard anything yet from the football organization, from the organization itself, from the team, because they're trying to do the right thing in allowing the process to play out and let the full story come out, and that when it starts to go south, if it does go south, guess what? They'll make a move. So I don't think that we're going to see – I don't think either side – you know, look, you can criticize Jack for making a dumb mistake. I mean, it's, it's beyond dumb. It's, it's, it's one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. What makes anybody think that they could get away with th- running something like that through baggage claim, especially if it's a carry-on? Oh, my God, are you serious? So that tells me that either A, he had a brain fart that goes beyond anything that you and I are humanly capable of having, or B, something else happened here. Now, which do you think is more likely? And that's why the Patriots right. are going to let this thing adjudicate itself and play out. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think uh, Jack Jones was, was planning on hijacking a plane, right? Which is why no, legal. no, well, but that's part. But that's take the gun on, right? Yeah, that so, that that's what everybody's assuming, and I'm like, no, that's the cor- that's the incorrect assumption here. You can't do that. You can't go there. Right, right. So uh, I I don't want to uh, um, you know just micro focus on Jack. This is a football show. And although he's a part of the Patriots, he's you know not the lead part of the Patriots. So, John, my football question for you today is this: and, and please, if you if you do have the time, take the time to try to really answer it. I'll we try. We have um, this DeAndre Hopkins issue uh, looming over us because we are in a state that we, people believe our receiver room just doesn't cut mustard. Yep. Bill, obviously, at this point, up to this point, believes that it it can or or does. So, with that said. What are the numbers you would have to see from our receiving room, you know, from Devontae down to Tequan, our, our presumed starting four, but them to have a year that you think would, would produce a playoff run for us? Like, you know, uh, uh, Devontae, 12, 50 for 500 yards and seven touchdowns type, type thing from, from your perspective, John. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Christian. I mean, um, I'm not sure that you need any definitive numbers. It would be nice to see him with uh, 60 plus catches, a uh, thousand yards, and you know 10 touchdowns. That would be great. I would say that if if he approached any one of those numbers, then you're probably right there in the mix for the playoffs. Short of that, and if he that that is that is if he's your number one receiver. So that goes for whether it's Hopkins, whether it's Devontae Parker, no matter who it is. Your number one guy probably needs to have numbers that are similar somewhere in that category. Um, short of that, you're, you're you're spreading it around either a little bit too much, or you're spreading it around because you don't have anybody open. Nobody can get open, and other teams know what's coming. Does that make well, sense? Last year, with for me, last year seeing and thank you for that answer. Last year, seeing what's like a, a, a Devonta Smith and AJ Brown were able to produce, you know, you, you had or a Tyreek, you know, Hill and also a Waddle. You have these tandems these days where both receivers are really putting up, and for lack of a better a phrase, the number one uh, receiver, uh, um, you know, numbers. So do we have that potential with any two players on our uh, roster right now for them to both put up sort of, you know, yeah, I don't. Great I don't know the answer to that because yeah. there's still too much unknown. I mean, I frankly think that Mike Gesicki is going to end up taking a lot of that uh, uh, that that target time away from some of those receivers because he is more of a big receiver than really a true tight end. Uh, I've always liked that description of him, and I think that's where you know the Patriots might have gotten themselves a little secret weepon this year because he can be thrown to. He's six yeah. foot six, so I, I'm not sure that we can really determine that until backfield. Say that again. Uh, 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 I think you know the addition of a Pierre Strong coming out of the backfield really taking a significant amount of uh, targets, not James yeah. White yeah. number of targets, but a number of targets that really begins to relieve some of the pressure from Mac yeah. to have to make the kind of throws that Kasicki, uh basically for me, Kasicki's a downfield uh, tight. He's a move. Tight end, right? Yeah. And I'm not really sure what Mac's best throw is yet. I don't know if he's a you know steam thrower, if he's a post. But what is Mac's best throw? So I hopefully a Pierre Strong out of the backfield can sort of you know just give Mac a little bit of, of, of a pressure release 
until he figures out what his best role is in this offense. Any thoughts on that? Well, I'm kind of thinking as as we go here. Um, again, I, I got I got to see these guys more. I'll be honest with you, Christian. I'm yeah. not I'm not trying to avoid your your question. I'm trying to be as honest with you as I can. I think that it's entirely plausible, not probable, plausible, that um, the numbers are going to be a little bit askew, and this is without DeAndre Hopkins in the fold. And I think that they will try to spread it out. I don't think they're going to put that kind of a burden on Devontae Parker because I don't believe Parker's a true one. Um, he's sort of a 1A or a 1B. <laughs> I, I, and again, that's, wow. th- that's, that's, that's not through any fault of his own. Fact of the matter is, is that you know receivers are like running backs. Once they hit you know north of thirty, um, it slows down. So I, I listen. If you're Miami, you know Devontae Parker. You're not going to double team the guy. If you're Buffalo, considering what you have in the defensive backfield, are you doubling him? No. You're going to take a chance on what you have. So that I, look, can he still make plays? Sure, he can. Absolutely. I'm not saying he can't make plays. He can. My point is, is that you know, they're going to come up with you know a system, and this is what I think Bill O'Brien uh, is expected to do, and what we're hoping, everybody's hoping that he will do, is find a way to not necessarily have to rely on a one A guy or a one B mm-hmm. guy, but let's take advantage of game planning what the opposition presents, and this is where we think we can be successful. I think Gesicki is sort of like a, a unicorn in that regard. I know that phrase has been thrown out a lot. But, you know, he's a bigger, taller guy that can move. I don't know if that takes away from the blocking, but let's put it this way. Patriots have some depth. If they don't have the overall ability, they certainly got some depth and some versatility on the offensive line. So if you're worried about blocking, yeah. Yeah. then bring yeah. in an extra no, tackle. Yeah, we've 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 got a blocking tight end in this Lumpkin kid. Yeah, that should 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 be Gronk ass as far as his power, speed, and ability to move people. I've heard that line. So I think we're going to be okay there. Last question yep. for sure. you. Yeah, it, could Tequan Thornton be a sleeper, or or is he still a little too slight of frame, a little too loose on the route running? Uh, what what's your thoughts so far on him? Well, I don't think he was very disciplined at all last year. A lot of that may have right. been because he missed time with his injury that took him out of the mix. And I kind of figured like that would end up being a problem. So he's got to show us that he can stay on the field, number one. And number two, he's got to show us that, you know, he knows how to run routes in the NFL as opposed to just, you know, beating everybody down the field, which he did at Baylor. So I'm not convinced yet. I'm I'm not convinced yet. I, I wanted him to succeed, but when he got hurt last year, I think that threw off all of his development. And... You know, I think everybody realizes the guy's a speed burner, but you can't beat teams just by drawing an X in the sand and say, hey, you, run here. You can't do that anymore. It's got, there's a little bit more exact to it. we got to see that this guy can run an NFL route. And if he can, and if he can run the route, can he hold on to the ball, you might have something. And I think that was one of the major considerations and one of the negatives against a guy like Thornton and where the Patriots took yeah. some criticism for drafting him a year ago is because he's just he, he's just not a very big dude. He's thin. Right. He's skinny. He may be wiry. He may be fast. We don't know how durable the guy is. Clearly, right. durability was an issue a year ago. Right. So 
I kind of look at this as being almost a do-over year for Tyquan Thornton. He's got to go out there and prove him, just like any other rookie's got to go out there and do it this year. That's at least uh, you know my book on him. Yeah, I think he saw. I think we saw Devonta Smith uh, production and went, okay, he's a slight guy. You know, he's able to to do and and took that that chance with Thornton. Hey, hey, rookie, you, you you skipped the question. Could you could you try to answer it? What do you think is Max Jones's best throw? Oh, best his throw career. Well, I think he, I think his post the out the end to me to me I think I, to me just based on what I've seen of him I think the post is his better route I you know but I know that he can connect on the out if he's got the receiver you know uh, running the proper route but I think the guy can throw a post shoot he did that at Alabama to great success right so um, I mean that that's my thought anyway I mean. Um, Good quarterbacks need to be equally adept at just about any route the receiver runs. And you can't rely on post routes and not throw the out route. And if he was, you know, uh, if he was um, inadequate running outs, then I don't think the Patriots would have drafted him. Or at least they shouldn't have. At least they shouldn't have. You've got to have a guy that's got some versatility with his arm and knows how to read it and throw it and put it where the defender isn't. We've seen him do that without roots. But I think he's got his great success, you know, with middle-of-the-field, you know, post-type roots. Don't you? Well, you know, I, I think at Alabama, he's had receivers that were open by five yards. What I think I saw last year was him having a little bit of hesitation in reading his favorite route, the post. And that That's because those receivers long. weren't running the routes they should have been. Well, that, right. That's a, that's a uh, um, um, you know product of last year's fail. Yes. Yes. Experience. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. I think though we we've heard a lot of talk about the lack of strength in Max Jones' arm to drive the ball, and we know you know college is different. You can get a receiver three to five yards open, two yards open. In the NFL, you're not going to get those windows and so the ability to drive the ball into those 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 receivers even if it's your best route the post route becomes more and more important and i i don't think i see mac jones's um uh, strength improving what i mean I, i'm not sure i agree with that I, i'm not sure i agree with that christian i i don't know that you know is he strong enough to get the ball upfield yeah i think so I think you got to have receivers, though. What good does it do to throw the ball 50 yards downfield if you don't have a receiver within you know, two feet of the ball? So, again, this is all predicated on the receivers. Now, if the receivers are there and he's just overthrowing them or underthrowing them, that's a different story. I don't think we saw enough of that last year. So, again, I, I'm looking at this as more like Max year two than year three because well, last, last year was a huge year. step backwards. What I think I saw last year, maybe you will agree or disagree, was a lot of sort of looping throws that took time to get there and allowed D-backs to catch up. I think that's what people are meaning when they say his ability to drive the ball. Well, even so, that window. even so, if, if you're in that camp, I would tell you it's because he's simply trying to move the ball and make a connection based on what he believes the receiver will do or can do. He's got an offensive coordinator this year that's telling him, get the ball, the receiver's going to be there. He didn't have that a year ago. Okay? So, I, I you know, look, I, I think it's all in the receivers. 
I don't think there's any issue with Mac's arm, his strength. I don't think there's any issue with that at all. Now, let's talk again about six weeks into the season, and let's see how it goes. And then, you know, but by that time, we may be all ready to cut bait on Mac, or we might be ready to sign him to another deal. Who knows? But I'm just saying it's still, it's still incomplete. Last year was a wash. This year, it's on him to get the ball where it's supposed to be. Rook, Patriot, 2023 roster, who is our overall best player? And I'll take it off the air. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Thank you, John. Thanks, Christian. Uh, overall best player on the roster? I, I guess it depends on what you're looking for them to do. If you're looking for some, to me, guy in the NFL, and a guy that, that helps teams become championship caliber teams as opposed to just pretty good are players who can make plays. Players who can come up big when you know your team needs a big play. If you're a defender, make a stop. Create a turnover. If you're an offensive player, come up with a big catch. Break the big run. Make the big throw. So I think it really depends on the type of player you're looking for. I would still say right now... uh, You'd have to put Matt Judon up at the top of that list based on his ability to make plays and getting to the quarterback. Uh, I would tell you that I think that uh, Ramondre Stevenson, based on his ability, you know, for burst, based on his ability for, uh, you know, like I call it, missability, to make other guys miss him. Um, I've always liked Hunter Henry. I, I don't know that he's one of the top five athletes on the team, but I think, you know, he's got an ability to make plays. So, and again, we're talking about skill players. You might have an extraordinary athlete that's on the offensive or defensive line too. I mean, let's think about that, right? But I'll stick with those if that, you know, makes any difference to you. I think that's, you know, at least uh, part of it there. 855-PATS-500. Web radio at patriots.com if you want to submit an email on the aforementioned topics of the day as we obviously get around the Jack Jones subject and move around a little bit on DeAndre Hopkins as well and anything else that might be on your mind as we uh, fully enter into the dead period overall. Let's take a couple of minutes now to visit with Nicole Young, who covers Patriots for the Boston Globe. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time today. I, I assume that uh, your off-season time has already begun as well. You got to pot it up, Matt. Matt? Okay, because I'm not hearing her. Is she there? Okay, let me put her on hold. Okay, yeah, I know. I'm going to put her on hold. Let's make sure we can, if she's there at all. It may very well be that you know something's you know on my 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 end. Uh, She's there. All right, so I'm going to hit it again. Nicole, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? There she is. There you are. Thank you. Appreciate your patience. No worries. Oh, no worries. So, how's the off season going so far? <laughs> well, I was saying, I think on the first day the off season program ended, Jack Jones' arrest broke. So, yeah, 
Yeah. No, no break yet. Yeah, I know. And then I and, and certainly, I mean, I feel like I should apologize for that, but obviously that kind of comes with the territory when you're you're covering a professional sports team. So, based on what we we learned yesterday, you know, from his being in court and his um, uh, attorney's uh, statements and things along those lines, are the Patriots in your estimation playing this the way they should play it right about now? Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably just going to wait it out and see as the information develops, see as the court proceedings develop. He, there's no team activity until the end of training camp or until the end of July when training camp begins. So there's no, I guess, rush for them from a football side to make a decision. The first time we see Jack is at the end of July, his next court date. Right. It is 18th, right. so there definitely is that probably like three weeks or so of time and before we might get more information. Interesting to see how Bill Belichick fields those questions or if Jack is even on the practice field right. at training camp. Well, I'd be st- I'd be shocked if he was at training camp at all because I think we all know that yeah. um, any sort of d- distraction is, is not going to be you know, uh, good for, for anybody in that regard. And I think the Patriots, uh, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the program today, but Patriots clearly have to be standing back right now because the NFL is likely to make a decision for them where Jack Jones is concerned. Right, and I think both the league and the team are just waiting for more information, waiting to see how the criminal proceedings play out and then see how his actions fall into place in terms of league policies and right. things like that. So how do the Patriots recover from this? I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, positional changes or moving people around? How badly do you feel like this hurts them depth-wise? And uh, does it knock them down a notch, you know, within the uh, the tight race that, you know, we expect this division to be in the fall? I mean, from a football perspective, it definitely was a big hit. Um, I think that the young pairing of Jack Jones and Christian Gonzalez in the secondary look to be promising. That being said, the Patriots defense is pretty deep. They still obviously have Jonathan Jones. Marcus Jones is smaller, but so he can be a playmaker um, defense. And as a whole, they're returning everybody besides Devin McCourty. So I think the defense was primed to be elite next year and Jack Jones alone isn't going to knock them down like a full notch, yeah. but it definitely is a hit just when you look at the other wide receivers in the division and conference that they're going to have to go up against. Right. Okay. It seems to me, though, that in, uh, again, I mentioned this a little earlier for those that are tuning in later. Um, fact of the matter is is that this is one of the reasons why they preach versatility, especially in the defensive backfield, places like the offensive line, because uh, they want guys to be able to play multiple positions, and that's where a lot of their success in previous years had been predicated and built upon, and I think they're going to have to rely on that this year. Do they wish they were deeper? Sure. Do they wish Jack Jones didn't do what he did? Of course they do, and I think that goes without saying, but the fact of the matter is, is that you treat this almost like you treat an injury. We've got to go to the next man up, 
in this particular instance. And my thought is is that you know John Jones, while everybody would love to see him as the everyday uh, you know slot corner, if you will, he probably because especially because of his veteran leadership would probably move to the outside. And again, I'm not entirely sold. And I open up the show with this today. I'm not sold that the Patriots weren't going to open up this way anyway. Because if they had started with, you know, let's say Gonzalez and Jack Jones on the corners, you're talking about one combined season of NFL experience and you're starting cornerbacks in the NFL. And and that doesn't sound to me like it's extraordinarily tenable. Right. And to your point about the versatility, Jalen Mills, who played a lot of cornerback last year, had moved to safety right. so far this year just because of Devin retiring. So if Jack is not with the team this year, maybe Jalen will move back to cornerback where he does have some experience. So they definitely have some options there. Big options there. And that's part of the reason why my first thoughts were, okay, this stinks, especially since it happened on a Friday. <laughs> but and I'm sure you probably thought likewise. But, you know, my other thought is, is well, I don't know that this is uh, uh, an insurmountable issue. Nobody wants to have to deal with this. It's an it's an ugly subject. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a hot button subject, as we all know, with things that are going on in our country these days. But at the same time, you have to look at it individually without considering other factors, like what other people are thinking, how other people are acting, you know, what the national temperature is, you know, for you know gun control and all that stuff that's out there. And you look at it and you say, how does this affect the Patriots? And right now. He's not around, but nobody's around. So right now, it doesn't affect the Patriots. And that may be oversimplifying it, but I, to me, that's about as close to the truth as you can get. Yeah, I definitely think as more information comes out, it will be um, more, it would be like more appropriate to figure out um, exactly what's going to go on, how this affects the team, things like that. So let's find out now what you feel about DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, since he had his visit here, and he's visited in two spots, but he's not in any hurry. The Patriots don't appear to be in any hurry, which tells me that he's waiting for other better offers potentially to come around as we get nearer or even into training camp in July and in August. Do you Are, are you seeing it that way, or – is the market just kind of tepid for DeAndre Hopkins? I think it means that the Patriots are interested and that the Patriots were one of the first teams to host DeAndre Hopkins for a visit. And I also think it makes sense that DeAndre Hopkins is going to wait it out and see if, you know, an injury happens during training camp or something unexpected happens. Any number of teams across the league that then creates a need for a wide receiver. And then all of a sudden that team is interested in DeAndre Hopkins as well. So as we were just talking about, there's no football until the end of July. So it doesn't really make sense for DeAndre Hopkins to lock in a deal right now, unless a team blows him away financially. I think DeAndre Hopkins also has a reputation for not necessarily love practice. So it's void, you know, a couple of early training camp practices, maybe that's something he's interested in too. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you're a Patriots fan and you really want, I mentioned this a little bit earlier as well before you you joined us, but in, in all honesty, if you're a Patriots fan and you really want DeAndre Hopkins here, you'd best hope that everybody stays healthy over the next month. Yeah, and especially, I mean, obviously both 
on the Patriots, but then elsewhere. Like, if any premium wide receiver goes down, I feel like that team will immediately become part of the conversation. No and question. Seeing whether or not they would be interested in Hopkins. No question. So, you know, as it now stands, what do you feel like let's, – let's remove Hopkins, let's remove Jack Jones and the defensive backfield out of the equation. What's the first thing that you you're, that's going to pique your interest when the veterans report and practice and in, in, in camp opens up at the end of July? What do you feel like should be a position or a a, a spot of priority for this team in terms of its development and performance? I would say the tackle position and the offensive line in general. Last year they were sort of inconsistent in their pass protection and the off- the offense had a number of issues, but that was definitely one of them. And this year, you know, Isaiah Wynn walked. They let, Isaiah, they let him walk. Um, they still have Trent Brown, but he was only there on the second day of mandatory minicamp and didn't do much. And Michael and Wenu is also recovering from an off-season surgery, playing in a contract year. Riley Reef and um, Calvin Anderson have sort of been – in play as the two starters, but then right. Connor McDermott took over for Riley Reef. So a lot of questions on the offensive line and Trent Brown is their premium player there and he hasn't shown much yet through the off season program. So that's definitely where I'll be looking because if no matter what offensive changes they make to the system, no matter what Bill O'Brien can do, it doesn't really matter if Mac Jones doesn't have the time or the protection to execute the plays. Sure, yeah, good points. By the way, just as an aside, and I know there's limited opportunities to watch during you know, uh, minicamp or the OTAs, what were your impressions of how the offense seemed to run itself with Bill O'Brien at the helm? Yeah, I mean, it definitely <clears throat> looks uh, smoother, cleaner, better than last year, I think. Training camp will definitely be more telling in that regard, but um, through the player feedback and what they're saying, like everybody seems pleased with the offensive system so far. Okay, so everybody's getting it, right? Yeah, as, as far it, as we can tell, I, I I really think, and I think Bill Belichick said this, himself, said this himself. Training camp will be much more informative and indicative of sort of the the progress okay. the unit has made. All right. Nicole, thank you for a little bit of time today. It's appreciated. Enjoy the the time away from football as long as you can manage to get away, and we'll see you out at training camp next month. Sounds good. You got it. Nicole Yang, at Nicole C. Yang on Twitter. Covers the uh, Patriots for the Boston Globe. Joining us here, she does from time to time during the regular season here on Patriots Playbook. All right, back to the phones, 855-PATS-500. Again, the email, webradio at patriots.com. At JR Broadcaster on Twitter, if you want to follow and uh, send a tweet, please do so. Or you can uh, hit me up on my Facebook page. Sean in Vancouver has been kind enough to hang on. Hello, Sean. How are you? Good, John. Uh, yeah, I know you uh, are uh, wanting to go to the beach, but I'm sure you'll have some beach weather before training camp starts. Perhaps you can make it up to Miles on a Gunkwood, Maine. I, yeah, and enjoy I w- that. Time. I would love to. A Gunkwood, by the way, is beautiful. It's one of my favorite places to go in the great state of Maine. So, uh, yeah, definitely. But it's just been it's just been gross here. I mean, it's you know, well, you know, first of all, rainy. Last summer it was yeah. dry. This summer it's rainy. I don't really have. Any, 
problem with the cooler temperatures, but I'd like it for, to just be dry and sunny. That would be a good first step in that direction. Well, all of Canada was dry and sunny in May, and that's when we had our the fires. fire season to the entire yeah. country. But by the way, it's, thank it's yeah, the Northwest weather. Thank you for those. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, on to Jack Jones. Yo. I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's not just a brain fart. It's like an absence of a brain to think that you can actually bring guns through security to a plane and not just any airport. You know, considering what happened 22 years ago at Logan, that, that doesn't make any sense. No. So I know it's. I'm not making any accusations or anything, but the only thing I can think of a logical explanation of this is Someone paid someone off at TSA to put the guns in because otherwise you're going to feel it in your bag. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I I hope that this comes out sooner rather than later so speculation doesn't drive us all crazy. Um, But but clearly there is a major, major malfunction here, and it's either in somebody's right mind or it's a setup. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, there's no in-between here because it's so extreme and so egregious, exactly. and everybody knows the rules, and this ain't one of them. And, you know, you can't think that he wanted to go from the nickname of uh, Panda Jack to um, Hijack <laughs> Jones. That doesn't make sense either. <laughs> oh, I hadn't Not heard that reason. one yet. I hadn't heard that one yet. That was kind of uh, from yesterday. We, we Someone sent that in. Well, that, well that, uh, that's actually a good one, so okay. Yeah, uh, some people were offended, but, you know, whatever. Uh, the the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, D-Hop. And we talked about this last month, and yep. something yep. that's been brought up again is, okay, a player needs to go if, if DeAndre Hopkins uh, is brought in. And I still say no, and here's here's the reason. We look at what was happening in minicamp. You know, you didn't have Juju, and you didn't have Thornton, right. and you didn't have even uh, the rookie... Um, Booty. So it's it's like th- this receiving corp is is very thin th- in terms of health. That someone is going to get injured. So to think like, well, you know, someone's going to be sitting on the bench unhappy. I think that's like a luxury that's probably not going to happen. They, they need an, another receiver who's going to stay healthy. And I don't know if Hopkins will stay healthy. He's, he's, he's getting up there too. Right. That's true. I, I don't. I'm, I would kind of agree with that. To be honest with you, Sean, I think um, that. You know, if they get him, I'm not sure anybody has to go. Now, it might be an untenable situation for a guy like Devontae Parker. You know, if they feel like there's going to be a, um, I don't know, uh, um, a clash of skills or will or, you know, hey, this is, you know, I'm the first team or no, you're the first team or I'm the first team. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know he was real cold about it when he was asked about it during minicamp. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if that would bring issues or not. Because they largely play the same type of you know position, uh, I would tell you that Parker would probably be the one guy that you'd look at and say, well, maybe he's the one that is expendable because, let's face it, DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to get everything thrown to him. I don't know. Well, here's what, here's what I have to say to Devontae Parker if you're listening. Don't worry about it. Someone's going to get hurt. You're going to have six or seven games where you're playing and you'll receive plenty of targets. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, look... Uh, he he's gonna he, he'll they'll he if he doesn't go someplace that's gonna overpay for him, which I believe uh-huh. you know that's what happened with OBJ. But if, if he doesn't go someplace that's gonna overpay for him, let's say he comes to New England, 
He can get his $15 million, which is what we know he wants for a year, but a lot of that is going to have to come from incentive. The guarantee certainly is going to be well south of that mark. But he'll have an opportunity to make it. They're not going to give him what I would call unachievable um, you know, bench water marks. You know, some teams are notorious for that. I know that that was something I think that even Rob Gronkowski, you know, accused the Patriots of doing for years as well, that, you know, they were giving him incentives, but some of them weren't achievable. I don't think he comes here if he feels like he can't achieve them. So, um, yeah. again, it's it's going to come down to the fact, and I agree with this, you've got to prepare for injuries because injuries are not if, it's when. Right. It's always when somebody is going to be hurt and somebody is going to miss perhaps a significant amount of time. And because of that, you want to make certain that you have more toys in the toy department. You want to make sure that you have depth. We've seen this happen in several uh, facets of this football team over the course of the last few years. And the teams that invariably are the ones that are left standing at the end Kansas City is one of them. They've got good depth at the skill position. And they've just, frankly, they have a little, you know, they have a little luck on their side too. Everybody needs a little good luck and everybody needs a little good fortune. But I also think that teams are in position. If you've got some depth, you can rotate guys in and out without missing too much and keep your depth healthy. And that's what a lot of people, I think, fail to realize. Some teams do that better than others. The Patriots did that for a number of years. But then, unfortunately, the Patriots got thinner and the guys that they went out and got weren't as good, and that's how a downward spiral begins. Well, that's why I'm rooting for Harris and uh, for uh, Pierwood to you know to uh, to somebody somebody in the running back room to help uh, Stevenson because last year he wore down and and he can't have that that much time on the field. I mean, he's got to right. be kind of managed a little bit better. Right. Would you do Dalvin Cook if if the Patriots were interested? I. I would take Dalvin Cook if it if it meant that he understands he's going to be sharing the load. Like he's not going to be the main guy like he was in uh, Minnesota. And I think that's why he, the Vikings moved on is because they they want to go the other way with uh, Madison. So uh, he's if he could be someone who can supplement and you know be prepared to take like five to ten carries um, a game, then that uh, sure. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. got to be the the understanding. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that rumor was out there today, and, and I just, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I, I'm sort of ambivalent toward it, especially if the, uh, you know, the, the rumors about Dalvin Cook and, and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, maybe going as a package somewhere were actually, uh, you know, somewhat truthful. I don't know that any team has enough money under the salary cap to be able to afford both guys to give them what they feel they deserve or what they've earned at this point in time. I don't know anybody has that kind of cal- salary cap space, but. You know, a lot of incentives. <laughs> oh, it would have to be hugely incentive laden. Yeah. And and do they have enough footballs to go around so each guy gets enough touches in order to make those incentives? See, I don't even know that. Yeah, I rather strong and uh, uh, you know strong get more play. You know, in terms of sharing with Ty Montgomery that third down goal, and then having Harris come in at a goal line and, and spelling. Uh, Stevenson that way, uh, maybe in the fourth quarter if they ever have a lead, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I like to see just more share with the four guys they have. Yeah, four or five. Um, I think that's yeah. Things. I think that's kind of the thing. I mean, um, I, what I want to see is I want to see a Patriots offense that is going to spread the ball around. And so if you're right. looking at you know something that's uh, basically going to be incentive based. You know, and this is what Evan was kind of alluding to earlier. I'm not so sure that you know this is going to be a spot for DeAndre. 
I'm just not. It sounds great, and I, I hope they go after him because I do believe that when you've got a guy that you got to, the other team has to game plan for, that's part of the battle in winning the battle. I just don't know now that based on the type of football they want to play, I just don't know now that that's going to be a possibility. And so I'm kind of up in the air about that. Well, they're the team that needs him the most in terms of anyone who's going to sign him. Now, if he goes to an, another team that has a better chance at the Super Bowl, uh, he won't be the number one option, I don't think, unless there's a huge injury. And that's so, the decision that he has to make. He's waiting yeah. for this contending team, right? Whether it's Buffalo or Kansas City or whomever. He's waiting for this contending team to all of a sudden say, all right, let's get into the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. But but he might, he might also be waiting because he doesn't want to go to training camp. He just wants to oh, I know that. season. I said that, I said, I said that last month, Sean. I said, exactly. he didn't want to go to training camp. There's no way that this no. thing, I, I, I would bet my rent money on, or bet my mortgage money, I would bet that on he is not going anywhere before camp starts. He's just not. That's why. He didn't want to go to training camp. And I mean, and in fact, DeAndre Hopkins is. Yeah, he's had a. Uh, he sort of had the uh, uh, the the moniker, I guess, if you will, the tag, if you will, of you know being less than enthusiastic about practicing anyway. Has he not? Right. Yeah, he has. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it, it that all adds up, and that what doesn't add up is him waiting for a contending team, who you know probably won't have the salary cap space, and the only way they have it is if potentially there's an injury there, and the injury hasn't happened yet. So like I said earlier, if you're a Patriots fan and you really want DeAndre Hopkins, and I put myself in that category, I you know hope that hey, nobody gets hurt. You know, nobody Good else goes for, nobody goes to jail, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Good, and exactly. Good fortune for Kelsey and uh for the Bills uh receiver digs and yeah. see everything is okay. Yeah, let's hope they have a nice quiet month off, right? Because if they do, exactly. I think that increases the chances exponentially of uh DeAndre Hopkins and the Patriots, you know, saying probably during that first week of August, All right, dude, what do you got? Where are you at? Yeah. That that would be my That's thought. It. That would be my thought. Probably, probably not until around the first week of August. I'm thinking even later. Like I'm thinking maybe Could the be. second or third. Like he might even miss a well, a, I, a I, game or two. Yeah, I would tell you that there would be a check in. There would definitely be a check in. Right. Eh, you know what? Maybe I don't know yet. Let's kind of wait and see. You know, teams are just now working out. Let's get through a couple of preseason games and let's see how it goes. Right. Exactly. And and you're right. You know, then you wait and see if anybody's got any. You know injuries to their wide receiving core, um, especially if the team is considered a contender, and you probably start to be able to ferret this out by mid-August. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Okay, uh, that's it. So thanks a lot. Uh, enjoy the rest of summer. The sun's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> as long as you promise that, Sean. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you can hold me to it. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Take you got care. it. All right. Sean of Vancouver. 855-PATS-500. Web radio at patriots.com. At JR Broadcaster on Twitter. John.Rook on Facebook. Uh, I want to read a... I got an email here that was intended, at least yesterday, for the PU team. I don't think they got to it, and I thought it was actually pretty good, but uh, this is Matt in Virginia Beach who said, I'm a longtime listener, appreciate the show, incredible work all of you do. I want to touch on the Jack Jones incident and offer my two cents. The most important word in the term gun owner is owner. You own the responsibility. 
Massachusetts is one of the most strict states in the country regarding firearms, second only to maybe California. It was Jack Jones' responsibility to educate himself on gun laws at the state and federal level. The TSA does not or does allow transport of firearms if the airline allows it. You must declare your unloaded firearms to TSA and have it stored according to federal regulations, which he did neither of, apparently. I think the best thing the Patriots could do for Jack Jones is to cut him. Well, see, now you're sort of being contradicting here, uh, Matt. People make mistakes, but Jack Jones' incidents appear to be a trend, and maybe if he realizes that his actions and decisions have consequences that could cost him dearly, it would be motivation enough to clean up his act. Okay, I understand the point, and, and you're right. But i got to tell you, I don't think he had a clear understanding of what were— if he packed his own bag, he does not have a clear understanding of what— the rules are certainly not in mass and certainly not in transit for heading to California, which is apparently where he was headed. Um, I also believe that that, you know, ultimately, you know, hey, you're the owner. Then you have to have responsibility. And I, that's why I believe, as I said at the top of, the, of the, the beginning of the program, the opening hour, that eventually – Provided we don't get anything else, you know, inflammatory here as evidence coming up uh, in the next few minutes, hours, days, weeks, you know, uh, before training camp starts. I, I think this is going to get put out. He's got a good attorney, um, and uh, I think that's what will end up happening. It'll get pled out, it probably of a probationary matter, um, if, again— uh, this can be best described as a gross misunderstanding of rules and regulations and what have you. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see if uh, you know charges are going to be filed here, uh, and then uh, you know without knowing you know the the letter of the law to the nth degree, as I'm sure you know several of you do. Uh, my thought process is is that you know the NFL steps in and takes the responsibility right out of the Patriots' hands. And I don't, and like Evan told us earlier, and I agree with this 100%, um, I don't think Jack Jones plays any football in August or September. I don't see it happening. You know, now, if he can plead out, not have to do jail time, stay clean, stay out of trouble, I think it's plausible. It may be unlikely, but I think it's, it's believable to think that he could come back at some point in time this season and then contribute to you know, the depth and whatever else the Patriots have going on at that time in the defensive backfield. So we're, we're looking at this in a couple of different ways. We're, we're looking at this at, um, you know, Jack Jones broke the law, and we're looking at this as, as uh, the Patriots and how do they recover in terms of the football story. Two separate stories. They're, they're not the same. And because they're two separate stories, I know it sounds – you know, like we're sort of taking it for granted, maybe being flippant with it, whatever it may be, not taking the issue serious enough. But that's not the case. I think we all understand, you know, what our current climate is in this country when it comes to gun control and gun laws. And the emailer, which is why I brought the email up, the emailer is 100% right. Madam Virginia Beach, Virginia. You know, you own the responsibility. Massachusetts is strict. So is California. TSA does allow the transport of firearms, but you've got to declare 
that you got them, and they got to be unloaded, which they were not. And, and, you know, there is video of him loading his bag onto the conveyor belt, going through, you know, the, the checkpoint there, and I'm just like, wow. Could it really have been something as simply stupid as forgetting you had him in there? I, I mean, Idiot. Just, I, I know, listen, it, it sounds unbelievable. It sounds unfathomable, especially if you've got guns like that on your possession. And in the magazines, so that's a whole other story. That's where he's going to actually probably end up getting in real trouble. The guns itself, they're transportable. You can do that if you declare it. I think we realize that, and we've already said that. But the magazines, I think we're, uh, and again, I'm no expert, but I believe that they're illegal. So in that regard, he's going to have to do something, and he's going to get slapped for, you know, at least possession, and especially with them being loaded. I, I can't imagine that's going to happen. So at any rate. Look, I'm not going to try to play amateur lawyer here. I don't want to play amateur lawyer because that's when you get yourself into trouble. Um, but I, I do believe that um, my thought is is that this is a situation where, no, I don't necessarily think you need to cut bait right away, as Matt was suggesting. Um, I think you need to let the process play itself out. I think you need, and, and, and what does that really mean? Well, I think we need to make sure that, first of all, no one's going to, you know, um, um, you know, pursue charges. And I think that's why he's got, you know, the attorney that he has right now, and Ms. Uh, Scapiccio, because so, she's known as a pit bull in this regard, right? And if you know anything about, you know, attorneys in this area, you know, she's been involved uh, in a lot of high-profile cases, and she's done well by her clients. So it was a good choice of, uh, you know, uh, of lawyering up as the case may be, and she did insist yesterday that uh, this would be something that, you know, when the facts come out, she wants judgment reserved. That's easier said than done because it affects the New England Patriots. And there are football issues, and that leads me into the whole football issue story, and how do the Patriots bounce out of this? How do they recover? What should they be doing? Should they be, you know, good, upstanding citizens and, and cut bait and move on? I mean, I know that there's a sentiment out there that feels that way. I get it. I get it. I understand it. Uh, I saw Ben Volan wrote about that in the Globe yesterday. You know, the same thing. I mean, and there are several that are opining that he should be cut right away and no questions asked and let's just be done with it. We don't need any distraction. We don't need distraction like that. Bad guy. Bad guy. Well, look, the Patriots have to have done their due diligence on it. They would not have drafted him in the first place if they didn't think that putting him in the right surroundings would bring him around. Now, have they batted a 1,000? No, and I've already said that. And are they upset with what's happened over the last few days? Of course they are. I would be. You would be if you were in charge. If this were your kid, would you be upset? Yes. Does that mean you don't love him? No. And that's kind of how I look at this. Yeah, I'm, I'm mad as hell. Maybe even a part of me wants, you know, the authorities to throw the book at him and teach him a lesson. Okay, I understand that. But at the same time, at some point, is due process being made? Is it had? Is it, is it, are, are we seeing it? And are we doing the due process here? Uh, or are we giving into, you know, the culture you know, within social media that, you know, everybody's got to fall in line here. Otherwise, you're not looked at as a good person anymore. And I think the Patriots are trying to stay above all of this. 
Patriots have to decide for the Patriots' sake. Did anybody get hurt? No. Was it stupid? Yes. Do we think he was going to hijack a plane? No. Okay? And I'm oversimplifying. I'm sorry if that offends you. But unfortunately, we're left here to sort of compare the two. It's an unfair comparison. Shouldn't even be made. This is going to take time. It is something that is not going to be solved in another 24 to 48 hours. It may not even be solved by the time this team takes the field for practice in another month. Five weeks, as I said off the top, that's about how long we've got until training camp begins. Five weeks till veterans report. It won't be solved by then either, I doubt. He's got another court date again in mid-August. So we know that that's going to – I can't see him being a part of anything football-wise until once court is through. And then it may very well be, look, let's just see if we can't adjudicate this and get this done so you can move on with your life. And everybody can move on. Uh, you know, his attorney did yesterday say that, you know, she was, you know, uh, very thankful the Patriots did not fire her client. That we need to wait until everything is out in the open. Look. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes today in this day and age, I don't know which end is up. I don't know what I should be thinking. I don't want to be woke, and yet I don't want to be, you know, unfeeling. We're caught between our own rock and hard place in a lot of this. So as best as I can describe for you at this point in time, uh, the Patriots are ri- trying to rise above it. Do what's right by Jack, certainly, but also do what's right by the team and do wh- and by the organization and what they stand for, and also do what's right by the law. Let's not forget, that has to be first and foremost here. And if you can make all of them come together, bravo. But I don't think it's going to be as clean as that. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman, It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Mr. Baxter, happy summer. How are you? Well, you know, I, uh, I, I began the program today by uh, opining that I was really pissed off at the weather because uh, it's not really summer out there. It's still more yeah. like uh, it, it feels kind of like a, a fall day in September more than a, you know, a, a summer day in June. Did we lose him? You know, you know, oh, you know, it's funny about the weather now. Yeah. Not, you know, not that I'm out Roker or anything like that. <laughs> We got to cut. We almost have to throw out the whole season thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Here, yeah. I mean, the seasons have changed from when I was younger, and so on. You know, whatever happened to what was the uh, March in like a lion, out like a lamb? I, I, I when did it go out? I know, exactly. It's, it's just different now. I don't know if that's because of the ozone. I, I mean. We're delving into things that have nothing to do with touchdown interception percentage here for May. So <laughs> I know, unbelievable. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have some summer weather come up soon enough, and we'll have football to talk about another five weeks or so. How have you always kind of viewed the the traditional dead period? I mean, do you try to get away from the sport? I mean, I know part of your living is you still got to talk about it, but at the same time. 
do you give yourself a little bit of a respite in order to sort of recharge the batteries for the long haul? Well, I think the pace slows down more than anything else. Um, but, you know, my curiosity with history and statistics and so on, I, I kind of try to use the time to get caught up on things, um, you know, and, and, and see different things and go over my files and make sure I'm updated and so on. You just don't have to do it at, because if you don't do it now, all of a sudden it's going to be about week four and where, where the hell is the thing you were looking for? Right. That you should have updated months ago. Right. So, so it's a good, um, yeah. But I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard about, you're certainly not breaking any news. I mean, we have two kind of prominent free agents out there, John, that everybody's kind of waiting on. That's Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Um, and see where they wind up, you know, free agency for the most part. Although, you know, I, I did a piece a couple of months ago about, you know, the top 20 free agents and where they could wind up. And it's funny, two months later, 18 of them are still unemployed. So, and some, and, you know, we saw a couple pass rushers come off the board recently and so on, but uh, it behooves me to figure out where Marcus Peters and Justin Houston and Yannick Nagakwe and, uh, and so on. Not so much about quarterbacks. I mean, the quarterback out there, if, you know, if anybody's still interested, sorry, um, Carson Wentz, yeah. um, who just hasn't gotten over his turnover problems. He keeps on getting traded and not welcome back. So, I mean, you know. You mentioned, Mark, you mentioned Marcus Peters, and, and I, I'm just curious what you feel like his quality still might be because, hey, let's face it, the, the Patriots – might have some availability in the mm-hmm. defensive backfield with what transpired with Jack Jones over the last few days. And, and I'm wondering if, if you thought maybe he'd be worth a gamble for someone. Well, he's always had a nose for the football, um, and that doesn't mean interceptions, but fumble recoveries as well. Some guys just have great ball instincts as far as where that football is going to wind up. Um, you know, guys like Ed Reed and – um, you know, I'm, I'm going obviously back further and so on, you know, night train lane and, uh, you know, it, you know, it's funny, Paul Krause, who is the NFL's all-time interception leader, and again, I know this is a different era. I think what always astounded me was he not only had 81 interceptions, John, he had 19 fumble recoveries. He had 100 takeaways during his career. You know, that's that's not accidental. Okay, mm-hmm. and again, it was a different era. We saw turnovers more prominent. I mean, you know, it, it, you don't have guys who are big interception guys anymore. Um, and, you know, Ed Reed and you know some of the guys who get in the Hall of Fame played years and years ago. Ken Riley goes in this year, his sixty-five interceptions. Um, but Marcus Peters is just one of those guys that always seems to be around the ball, and you know he bounced back pretty nicely. Last year, he was after missing the season, basically. So, um, you remember he got hurt in, in training camp, and yeah, or was I, or, or maybe the last season game, and he missed the whole year, and you know, Ravens wound up finishing last mm-hmm. um, in the AFC North. So, yeah, somebody like that certainly has got to be on a team's radar, especially a veteran player. Belichick obviously likes. And he, he, he likes guys who know the league and know the system and would adapt very well to his season. And, you know, Marcus Peters has bounced around a little, um, you know, since his days with Chiefs, a defensive rookie of the year. Um, so, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense, seeing how how this thing plays out and so on. And, by the way, I, I commend you because you said the two words that was more important 
than anything else. And, you know, everybody wants to do this and do that and convict and stuff. Due process. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Can we stop just... Isn't it funny? It's innocent until proven guilty unless it affects your football team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of way it seems. I just look. I've I've always I've long had a problem with you know convicting people in 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 court of public opinion. I just it's wrong. It's not what you know. It's not what we're built upon. And these people that are quick to do that, I I, I don't know if they're you know uh, you know the uh, right wing or left wing or gun owners or non gun owners or whatever. But I'm actually I'm actually chicken wing. Yeah, well, that's kind of where I am on that one. But I, I gotta I gotta tell you, it's just. That's one of the basic fundamental premises this country was built upon, innocent until proven guilty. So no matter what the evidence shows, and circumstantially, it ain't a great spot for Jack Jones right now, and we can all agree on that. But due process still needs to play out. The Constitution is not 280 characters. No, it isn't. It isn't, and I think that's. I commend you for saying that because we're too quick to, you know, convict people in the court of public opinion, uh, you know, within social media circles. Like, you know, oh my God, if you're not taking a direct stance on this, if if you're not saying, you know, they should cut him, you know, if you're saying, you know, then then you obviously don't know what you're saying. Hey, come on, really? And then these people that have jumped to conclusions and already said, hey, the Patriots need to cut bait. I, honestly, I, I listen. You gotta have perspective. I have. That, that's what this whole talk show for the 21, almost 22 years now that I've done this program with you, Russell, almost the, the entire way here, that, you know, this show is about perspective. Yes. You know, do, do we make bold predictions? Yes. Do we make correct predictions? Yes. Do we make wrong predictions? Yes. That's the basis of predictions. But the one thing we have always been consistent with is perspective. And when, to get true perspective, time is necessary. You've got to let it simmer or boil, until, and then you pull it off the fire when it's ready to boil over, right? That's what you have to do, but that still takes time. There's a process that you must go through, and just because it looks so bad, the optics were so awful last week, we were like, oh, look, cut, cut him. And that's why it was so incredibly, you know, it was predictable, but it was still disappointing to see, you know, local people and national people say, oh, the Patriots don't have any choice here. Well, of course they do. Of course they have a choice. And and that's why I'm, I'm kind of glad the organization has actually kind of bucked the trend and decided to let due process play itself out here. Besides, I think we all know what the underlying, underlying real reason is, is that the NFL is going to take this matter out of their hands completely. Well, well of course. I mean, they, they have their own house. I just find it astounding that someone can be, uh, you know, that our laws take days and sometimes weeks um, for the figure these things out, but you know, if you're three hours in in a studio doing a talk show, radio talk show, and you have all the answers when you haven't left the room. I, I, I listen. That's an amazing skill. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. It totally is. Yeah. All right. Let's talk well, about. Some... You know me, John. You know me. Yeah. I have one very strong motto. Yeah. Everyone is winning. Not yeah. everyone is accurate. That's also true. And I think that's what we have to go forward with. So let, let's. Uh, you, you mentioned the two, you know, free agents there, and I, the rumor that I'd heard this morning uh, were that uh, you know maybe it was uh, Dalvin Cook that started it and said that hey, wouldn't that be great if the two of us could land somewhere together? Although he did say that he hadn't yet talked to DeAndre Hopkins about that. But I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm not sure. 
that anybody has enough cap space, number one. And number two, how far-fetched is that idea? I don't think it's far-fetched at all. I mean, especially you look at some of the teams um, who could get – and there's there's a couple teams that jump out to me because of the way they do business um, and because of needs they have. Uh, One would be the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember the Rams? Everybody left the Rams. Yep. You know that's a little exaggeration, but go back and look. And they brought just, they just brought Sony Michelle back, who played for the Chargers last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't play for them this past season. Um, and he was part of the church. You know, he was traded from New England and so on. It was a solid back. Um, but they're not loaded. I mean, they have Cam Akers and all that. But you know, you look at the Rams roster. And listen, it's a team that won a Super Bowl and then set a record by losing 12 games the year after winning a Super Bowl. No no defending champion never done that. Um, A lot of people were gone. They drafted more players than any other team in the league this year. That will help them, obviously, with the cap. With no salary, you know, you you don't have to pay. They they didn't have a first-round pick. John, they haven't had a first-round pick since they took Jared Goff in 2016. So they've had a – and look what they've done trading along the Listen, uh, they got Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller a couple of years ago. That propelled them to that Super Bowl win over the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The other team that stands out to me a bit is Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, of course, if Dalvin Cook and or – DeAndre Hopkins could play quarterback. That would certainly help their cause. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the uh, the other hidden problem that's there. Uh, I, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm actually a little bit intrigued by that. Um, but I heard somebody say earlier today, in fact, a talk show host up here you know, said today, hey, look, what if DeAndre Hopkins said, hey, I'd really like to come play for you, Bill Belichick, but I need you to find a spot for my boy Dalvin because we decided we want to play together. So, Let's say if, you know, and maybe Dalvin flips it around and says, hey, he goes to a team and says, I want to come there, but I want you to make some room for DeAndre. Should that team, whatever mystery team it is, should they try to make room for those two guys? And I guess what I'm really asking is, are they worth it at this stage of their careers? Well, I certainly think Dalvin Cook is worth it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he's only been in the league six years. Okay. Um, very productive. He was part of the same draft as Alvin Kamara in 2017. Yep. Now, DeAndre Hopkins certainly has the miles on them. And I will say this about Hopkins the last two years. Um, and my guess is, gentlemen, um, there's got to be some hesitancy. I don't know this for the fact, because, um, but I, I'm just thinking out loud. Let's not forget that DeAndre Hopkins had a six-game suspension. Okay, true. That could be something yep. that makes teams a little wary, mm-hmm. and the fact that he has not played a lot of games the past two years, and up until then, his first year with the Cardinals, he was off the charts. Um, his career with the Texans was, was tremendous, but the last two years in in Arizona, and and, and, and listen, 2021, that was playoff team in Arizona, but you know he was banged up. So I'll be I'll be curious. Uh, I could see Cook maybe getting signed behind Hopkins. The one thing I haven't heard from Dalvin Cook in terms of uh, where to go is him being selective. It sounds like it sounds like DeAndre Hopkins maybe has two or three teams in mind. Okay, I haven't really heard that 
from Dalvin Cook, I want to go here, I want to go there. You know, listen, I wanted a pony, I never got one. So right. it doesn't always work that way. Right. Now, I will throw something out also out there, because this has kind of surfaced in the last you know, 24 to 48 hours. You know, we had the, the guy who led the league in rushing last year was Josh Jacobs. Um, he has still not signed his tender as the franchise player. And it sounds like there's been some rumblings about it. Could the Raiders move on from him? Um, and that would change the whole dynamic of what's going on in terms of, you know, again, free agency for the most part. Um, you know, you see guys grab, getting one-year contracts, filling the gap, add depth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that's a situation that bears watching. I mean, Saquon Barkley's not signed his tender, but it sounds like the Giants at least are talking. And Tony Pollard, remember, we had three running backs who were franchise players. Mm-hmm. Tony Pollard signed his tender. So mm-hmm. he's under contract for this year. So just when you think things are like a little dead, <laughs> news and so on, you know, as we get closer to training camps, um, we could see things pick up a little. Like I said, there's a lot of, you know, guys like Jadavian Clowney are out there. Jarvis Landry's out there. Um, you know, it was like, it, it, again, not really so much quarterbacks and so on, but, you know, Hopkins and Cook are kind of late additions um, to the free agency list. So, um, you know, for a team looking for a center, Ben Jones, who played with Houston and Tennessee, a really quality player. So, again, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays now. And I, I can't imagine the guys on my list, and shameless plug, it's, uh, it's on my Twitter page pinned. So, um, and the reason I bring up, by the way, the reason I bring up Tampa Bay is it sounded like there was a little flirting with Ezekiel. Ezekiel Elliott is out yeah. there. I heard, a, I heard a rumor recently that, that attached Ezekiel Elliott to the Patriots. Oh, but listen, the, the, the way things are going um, in terms of the running back position, again, we saw three guys of the franchise. Um, you know, there seems to be, I guess, hesitancy on running backs, unfair or unfair. You know, now, listen, Tony Pollard was the main guy in terms of yards last year, but Ezekiel Elliott clearly led the team in carries. He also led the league. I'm sorry, the team in rushing touchdowns last year. So mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to believe that he spent and so on. Now, did, you know, was it a salary cap move? Yes. But I find it hard to believe that he can't help somebody. Again, with Dalvin Cook. I saw Dalvin Cook run wild against the Bills last year. He didn't look like he was slowing down. Right, right. Hey, you mentioned uh, Carson Wentz. Do you think he finds a spot? I could see someone kicking the tires on him as we get closer to training camp. But, I mean, I think he's, you know, I don't know what, what, what exactly went wrong. You know, he had a decent rookie year. He started all 16 games. He was having an MVP type of year in 2017, and then he suffered some knee injury. It's been injury concerns. It's been character question marks, not off the field, but more on the field and so on. And we saw how upset Jim Irsay was. And he got rid of him when Washington traded for him. Now he's out of the picture there. So it's, you never, listen, life is funny, okay? It depends on how you evolve as a person, how you evolve as a professional. Um, Listen, Jared Goff was, you know, it's funny, 2016, the first two picks were Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. 
neither one of them were with their original teams. One of them had a league. Um, but at least in the case of Jared Goff, he was dealt to the Lions. He had a terrific year for them last year. He, you know, they played. He played in the Super Bowl. They didn't score a touchdown against the Patriots, the lowest scoring Super Bowl in history. Um, but you know, he's he's kind of kept his his career afloat. Carson Wentz, you, you know, you can't deny the talent, the arm, the the whole package. You, you know, being able to get it out of the pocket, but boy. Does he have a pension for putting that ball on the ground? Yeah, and, and being injured he, too, and being injured. You know, but even unfortunately, he's either injured or healthy and putting the ball on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no he's question. Hurting himself or he's hurting your team. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, just here's something, just a random thought that just ticked back into my head. Have you seen the new alternate helmet that the Detroit Lions rolled out? About ten minutes ago. You saw okay. What was your first impression? Well, there's so, there's such a push now for the alternate uniforms. Um, you know, such a marketing thing. You know, I remember when uh, it was 1994 when we had the NFL 75th anniversary season. It's hard to believe it's you know that long ago, and you know we had the throwback uniforms, and then we went to the what is it color what, what color rush. That? Color, color rush. rush, yeah. Okay, so we had color rush. Um, you know, this is all. Uh, you know, they're fun. They're, um, you know, again, fans. You know, who like to buy jerseys and and different things. It's you know, it, it, it's a striking helmet. There's no question about it. I got to admit, I I loved it, <laughs> and I wasn't sure I was gun. I'm like, oh great, here comes another marketing ploy. And then I saw the video that the team released earlier today, and I'm just like, dang, that doesn't suck. Um, and, and, and people are probably if anybody's listening right now, they're probably going, they're googling it and they're trying to figure it out. But I would tell you that it is for the uninitiated. If you can't get to your Google machine, it, it is a, a metallic sort of aqua, deep aqua blue, uh, and it has the old Ford Mustang logo on the side with the two bars behind it. But the lion is positioned in the same shape as the old Mustang horse is on the Mustang car. And and the old Ford Mustang, and so I'm actually like, you know what? That works. Ford Field, you know, Detroit Motor City. Absolutely, it actually kind of works. Well, I, here's my shameless plug for today: football past and presently, yeah, football past and present. Seriously, is a Facebook page that I run with some friends, uh, and Kelly Mori and uh, Roger Jackson and Stephanie Koch. Right. Um, you know, you have almost 1,200 people following us now. Uh, the picture of the helmet is on there. Oh, cool. Great. So, so go check out the, the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's on the page. Feel free to join the page if you'd like. The one thing we take pride in is we talk football. We, we talk trash. Um, <laughs> we, we, we discourage, you know, we discourage those antics. And when I say discourage, I mean discourage. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of like that. That's good. I, I appreciate that. And I think we can all appreciate well, we, that. I understand. I mean, obviously, you know my background and so on. Roger is a guy I worked with at ESPN, the magazine. Yep. Real pro. Yep. And I take pride in the fact that a number of the writers I've known over the years and, and a, a couple of the Hall of Fame writers like Mark Judge and Rick Goslin and uh, Ken Crippen, who does stuff for, um, he used to be the president of the Pro Football Research Association. 
Um, this started out as a history page. We decided to combine it, to make it past and present, and it's gone over very, very well. And uh, very happy because it's not uh, a smack talk. It's you know craziness yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know we encourage and we encourage writers you know to put their stuff up there and that, get yourself some views and get yourself some reads. That's a great idea. What's the uh, what what's on your summer agenda before football gets really rolling here? Well, I'm working on some historic pieces uh, for Fansided. Great. You know, I did a um, I did a the twenty greatest quarterback seasons, not the twenty greatest quarterbacks, um, and the twenty greatest running back seasons. Um, and I'm in the midst of doing uh, the twenty greatest wide receiver season. Fantastic. So, it, 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 I you know me, I enjoy my history. It's always fun. To this day, I still learn a lot of things when you go delving into some of the older players and so on. And, you know, we'll be in, um, it would be 43 days. I'll be in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Most famous uh, number 43. Yeah, as we, Cliff Harris. And yes! Yes! I knew you were going to say Cliff Harris. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny, John? Up until... They both got in. There was no 43. Is in that the Pro right? Football Hall of Fame. really? I didn't know that. I think the only number now. There are guys who have worn this and worn that and so on. They, I believe, the only number that is not represented in the Hall of Fame. Listen, guys have changed their numbers. Like Mike Haynes worked for uh, 40 and 22. Right. You know, yep. for the different franchises he's played, he's right. still to me the best cornerback I ever saw. Mike Haynes. Um, but the number 90 is not represented in the hmm. Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I can hear the Steeler fans peeping out here because they obviously have a young man who's had quite the start to his career in T.J. Watt. Right. Yeah. Probably will be there in, in the not-too-far-distant future. Russell, thank you so much for the time on this this June uh, first day of summer. Let's hope we get that summer here quickly, and football season will be right around the corner. Thank you, my friend. All right. Talk to you soon. Yep. Talk to you soon. The one and only Russell Baxter, Baxter Football Guru, where you find him on Twitter. I want to end the program today with a couple of quick things. Number one, our friend Howard in Stratford, Connecticut, sends his email. Um, in this country, contrary to popular social media belief and the talking heads on Boston radio, you are innocent until proven guilty. Let the process play out. Talking about Jack Jones, of course, here. Let the slow wheels of justice grind their way to a conclusion, whatever that may be and whenever that may be. From simply and in uh, my honest opinion perspective, young kid did something really dumb, and this is strike two with respect to the Patriots. If he's ultimately found guilty, then I have to lean toward the cut him camp because he has to realize there are repercussions for your actions. It would be unfortunate, but I think a guilty verdict or even a pleading guilty to lesser charges in a plea bargain has to have repercussions. That being said, I could see Mr. Kraft making this his new Meek Mill crusade and wanting to try and give the kid another chance at redemption. Thank you, John for, and Marine Matt, for all you do. Good point in terms of the redemption thing. That is something that Mr. Kraft has certainly, I think, you know, made no bones about. But I don't think he's in a position to do that yet. I think the process has to continue to play itself out. And I think that's really where we stand on this. And it's just not going to go as fast as either you or I or Bill Belichick want it to go. One thing I wanted to end with today, uh, an announcement actually here in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. Uh, 
uh, Craft Sports Entertainment and Anheuser-Busch are introducing a new premium space here at the stadium. You heard about this, Marine? Yeah, he's heard about it. Uh, Anheuser-Busch is a long-standing sponsor of Gillette. So the Patriots, the Revolution, Anheuser-Busch, uh, they are opening up a brand-new indoor-outdoor hospitality space here at the stadium when you come. So beginning in September, just a couple of quick months away, it's called the Celebration Beer Hall. Oh, my God. Be still my pitter pad of my heart. The Celebration Beer Hall will provide a unique field-level game day experience. Fans inside Celebration Beer Hall will have unprecedented access to watch the Patriots and Revolution players as they walk from the locker room through the tunnel before accessing the game field. So you probably now, you've been to Gillette, you know kind of where this is. This is in the north end where all the construction right now is still going on with the, not only the new scoreboard and the new atrium, but the new lighthouse back there uh, right adjacent to and underneath um, the bridge. And they're going to create the, uh, the the beer hall there, and you'll have um, access to watching the players come out onto the field. So celebration beer hall, along with the uh, you know the, the the Optum Club that's down in the south end zone of the stadium. I mean, I, hey, you know what? Gillette Stadium is twenty one this year, right? Twenty one, yeah, twenty one years old. Holy crap! Starting on the or twenty one, starting on the twenty second season. Go, two thousand and two is the first year. So twenty one. There you go. Okay, that's that's amazing. And they continue to sort of remake it and reinvent it and do different things and do new things, which is always you know kind of cool. So um, at any rate, um, wanted to make that announcement. So it'll be something for you to try when you come to a game uh, beginning in September, uh, the Celebration Beer Hall. All right, next program. Um, July 26 is the last Wednesday of July. So July 26, which is a little more than a month away from today's live show on the 21st of June, that's when we'll have our next Patriots playbook. And the June 26 show, like I said earlier in the program, uh, that'll be on or about the time that the Patriots veterans report to Gillette for training camp. It'll be sometime during that week. I'm guessing, and again, I guessed earlier, I'm guessing on or about the 28th-ish and then perhaps the first practices that would be open to the public that last weekend of July, because traditionally, over the last 31 years that I've been here, that's when it's been. They've reported usually about that time. So I'm just going on track record here. And forgive me for sounding old, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I've been around once or twice, and, and I think Fred and Paul would agree because they're the next oldest around here. Um, but that should be about the time. At any rate, the July 26th show will be our next playbook, so it'll be right before training camp gets underway. Perhaps we'll have uh, some kind of a conclusion or at least the next step in the whole Jack Jones saga. Uh, maybe we'll know more, and I'm going to guess not about DeAndre Hopkins by that time, but we certainly will have a better look and a better feel for the Patriots as we gear up for training camp and we gear up for the preseason and we gear up for trying to get back on track with this Patriots franchise. So enjoy the next few weeks off and away. Until next time, so long, everybody. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. 
Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.